this Japanese billionaire. Yeah, I did this again. I just read the article and didn't realise how to pronounce the name. <laughs> Honest Andy's Discount Moon Show! Hello, Rick. Hello, Andy. How are you? I am good, thank you. How are you doing? I'm not too bad. Just getting over a cold, which I very hope isn't coronavirus. I hope it isn't <laughs> either, considering we're in your lovely cleaned-up office in very close proximity. Yes. So, uh, yeah, listeners may notice we're in a, a completely different recording studio. This one's got soundproofing. If you think of soundproofing by a map of Eastern Europe. <laughs> and old trophies in terms of like posters of shows that we've done in the past yeah back in the day when we were famous have you cleared up a space in here for trophies that you may have won is, is this at work yes the oh right yes our team was told to turn up for an award ceremony internally and then it was only to applaud a different team <laughs> so, <laughs> so we all thought it was a hint to you know i think we've you've won this one you lot and then uh, no it was just to uh, uh, to clap the other team so yeah uh, that that went down well Sounds like the Steve Wright in the Afternoon show on Radio 2 where they just have all the production teams just clap all the time. Yes, yeah. That's probably what our team will do now, is go and apply for Steve Wright. <laughs> <laughs> the Romans had professional mourners, you'll be professional clappers. That's it. So coming up on the show, we've got the Moon News, items including Billionaire Seeks Gold Digger to Take to the Moon with Him, and then Calls It Off. And we'll talk briefly about the upcoming Chinese mission to the moon, where they're actually going to retrieve a sample and bring it back down. Some foreign moon news involving Ganymede, as well as some very local moon news in our favourite town of Moon Township, Pennsylvania. Of course, it wouldn't be the podcast without Moon of the Month. So what is the name of the full moon this month? This one I'm quite looking forward to, actually. And in the ongoing feature of trying to catalogue all the moons of the solar system, where... Three down. No, sorry. We're Are two, we? No, we're two, we're two down. Right. Our moon and Deimos. Deimos. And so I think 197 to go. Actually, add one more to that because I've got a new moon alert that I'd like to touch on briefly as okay. well. <laughs> so we're one down, but one up. <laughs> so let's jump straight into moon news. So, billionaire seeks gold digger to take to the moon. This Japanese billionaire, Yusaka Maezawa, is looking for a female life partner to accompany him on SpaceX's maiden tourist voyage to the moon. So, this won't be a scientific one that NASA's doing. This will be SpaceX going, hey, come for a jolly to the moon with us. And this divorcee, father of two, has decided, I want a hot young thing on my arm while I say that's one small step for me. Yeah, yeah one small <laughs> One giantly backwards. <laughs> for feminism. Uh, yeah, cool. I did read this, Go Billionaire Seeks Gold Digger to Go to the Moon, because um, the, the theme of the past few podcasts has been that people are going to the moon, probably, we think, to uh, mine it and take resources from it. Yeah. Uh, however, when they say gold digger, it's not literally some sort of old-timey <laughs> prospector, uh, which, you know, I would go with that if he had a competition to find who's the best prospector. Uh, 
<laughs> I'd be well behind that. That'd be cool. But no, this is gold digger as in woman who only marries for money, uh, as yes. is tradition. That said, this is a tangent, but onto an actual another moon news story. The name of a Russian probe, which is also backed by the European Space Agency, that's going to the moon to look for gold amongst other resources is called Prospector. Oh, cool. Oh, fantastic. So that ties in pretty nicely. I very much hope it's got a hat <laughs> and a can of beans as its fuel. Instead of like Microsoft Sam or Siri voice, they've just got some yokel to do all of the broadcasts. Yeah. Well, Moscow, it's me, Prospector. I done found myself some gold here on the moon. Prospector, one giant nugget for mankind. Oh, I found me some moonshine. Oh, no way, it is just the sun. And so on and so on. This Japanese billionaire is looking for a female life partner, uh, his words. And to do this, he set up a online appeal, a application form, very much like a grad scheme. Uh, some of the criteria involved... You had to be over 20. You had to be female. You did have to be female. You did have to be over 20. <laughs> and I like this one. I was like, yeah, to be fair, you had to have a positive interest in going into space. Yes. To, to be fair, yes. Yeah, if you are going to the moon, yeah, that probably does help. After we remember Neil Armstrong moaning all the way to the moon. Are we there yet? I didn't want to come here. No, oh, it's not fair. Are we getting paid overtime for this? I'm here for three days over the weekend. <laughs> Do we get paid in Earth days or lunar days? Oh, they've, they've not thought this one out. So after, after that, ever since then, going to space, you've got to have an interest. Yeah, you, you've got to be keen. Uh, apparently they were going to turn this into like a TV show as well, very much like The Bachelorette. Oh, cool. I've not watched The Bachelorette, but I, I can imagine it's similar to The Apprentice. But instead of getting a, uh, a job with Alan Sugar at the end of it, you get some sort of husband? Uh, in theory, but they always divorce. I imagine if <laughs> every single one of these has ended in disaster. Do they actually get married? They're meant to. Or they'll, get, they'll get engaged and then they'll be like, oh, we called it off. It's almost as if it was a hoax. Yeah. The Bachelorette is like if Channel 5 made The Apprentice. Right. It's just tacky and edited to manipulate you. I mean, The Apprentice is as well, but it, like, it's really tacky. Yeah, I very much doubt any sort of you will get married at the end of this competition is going to be not tacky. I don't think you're ever going to have a classy version of, <laughs> of that. Uh, that's true. So how many applicants do you think he had? Uh, lots. Uh, I've read the number, but uh, I did think that would be lots, because also I very much doubt that they were all female. It would just be chances, and yes. uh, anyone that just fancies going to the moon, or being famous, or filling in the wrong application form. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was trying to get a job as a risk management consultant, and then I just ended up applying for moon wife. <laughs> I don't know how this happened. Some of the language used, which I must admit, I think is like literal translation. So it probably did sound better in Japanese. But you have planned matchmaking event for the television show and love diagnostic test. They're, yes. just, they're just creepy, creepy terms. Nothing as romantic as a love diagnostic test. Is that what Hello Magazine is calling them now as well? Yes. It's a flowchart with a compatibility matrix at the end. <laughs> You're light green when really you should be solid green. Get out of the house. Yeah. Our relationship is E47. Let me just look that up. You sunk my battleship. Well, 
originally this was planned for like the, all the stuff I have here, all the notes that we collated together was for a show we were going to do at the end of January. But due to scheduling conflicts, as they say in the biz, uh, we had to push it back to recording in the first week of Feb, which is what we're doing now. And turns out he's called it off for some mad reason. What was that mad reason? Was it public outrage? No, he, he claims it is due to personal reasons. I have informed ABEM TV, channel that he was going to do the show with, yesterday with my decision to no longer participate in the matchmaking documentary, hence requested the cancellation of the show. Despite my genuine and honest determination towards the show, there was a part of me that still had mixed feelings about my participation. This bit could have been influenced by the colossal backlash that he got from the public. And fair play to the public for being outraged by this because the mission would have taken place in 2023 and so potentially the first woman on the moon could have been some guy's girlfriend who won a competition yeah and sort of hanger on uh thereby proxy almost and it's not something to really champion and one of the quotes that really stuck out to me was i don't want to have to tell my daughter that the first woman on the moon was some guy's girlfriend who won a competition because she was hot. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, fair one, he's called it off. I did read the, the rest of the article uh, about who else he was going to take because he's apparently he's got 10 tickets to give away. Did you see who he was going to take as the other 10? I actually didn't, no. I was uh, reading a different article to you then. Yeah, I, I, I think I read the after-press release of let's try and reduce the damage of this <laughs> <laughs> so i read the most recent one coming okay. out uh, so he he the spin that came out is he was going to take artists yes that's right he was going to take a bunch of artists to experience the moon uh so they could create art um, wait hang on all 10 and him oh, yeah okay, or, or nine artists and yeah well eight because the girlfriend might not have been an, an artist yeah, so. so eight eight are just going to be artists yes does that encompass all of art, so like uh, a poet, for example. Probably, I can't remember the exact things, but it did have a, a dancer. What? And <laughs> and the film director. Okay, the film director, I can completely understand why, but oh, maybe a dancer. Are they gonna dance on the moon? Yes, obviously. But you bet, I mean, if you're the dancer that's taken, you better freaking do a dance <laughs> when you get there, quite, quite frankly. You'd have to really, really limber up those costumes because they're notoriously bulky. Yes, yeah, I don't... Sorry, you... costumes, I mean <laughs> astronaut suits that you need to live, oh, not the just... leotards. <laughs> you've just given away the moon landings were fake, Andy. They're oh, all no. costumes. <laughs> That's the one secret I was told yeah. to keep. NASA has phoned you time and time again. <laughs> Do you remember the book uh, and film Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? You mean the radio show that was then turned into a book? Uh, oh, yeah. Hang on. It, it did bounce between TV show, radio show, book. Mm. and Pretty sure it was radio show first. I can't remember which order it is, and they're all different. So yeah. any Hitchhikers fans will know that there's a difference. Um, like my in, wife. <laughs> so certainly in the book, uh, one of the jokes in, I think it's the second or third book, a trilogy in four parts, is that well, there's I think there's three spaceships sent off from Earth. One has all the very accomplished doctors and medics. I can't remember where it's sent off from. There's another that's with all the workers who are competent and then there's all the sort of middle managers on a spaceship and all the redundant jobs and they ended up populating Earth. 
basically, as a backstory. <laughs> <clears throat> and that explains Earth. And I was reading this and going, well, hang on, you've just got a bunch of artists going to a different planetary body. This, this is probably the start of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> like, how, how did our civilization develop? Well, from a dancer, a filmmaker, a random billionaire and, <laughs> who didn't really understand public opinion. Um, Earth was nuked for some reason and they repopulated the world. In a ve- oh god, that would be like Stroud, <laughs> just just full of hippies and artists everywhere. It's like we don't need money, man. We can just our economy can be based on love and trade. Okay, good. Good luck mining that helium three on the moon and with your dance. Did, did you know Stroud had its own currency? What the Stroud pound? Oh, is it like itchy and scratchy money? Uh, in The Simpsons you had, you go to itchy and scratchy land and you can buy itchy and scratchy dollars. And when sold, they're like, they're like real money, but fun. And you go in and every single shop has, we do not accept itchy and scratchy dollars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, effectively, yes. Uh, it was a way of, it was a way of um, getting you to invest locally in Stroud. So yeah. I think it lasted about two years and some people accepted it. But most people said, well, I'll just take cash. <laughs> um, so, uh, well done, Stroud. Oh, it is a town just full of retired, wealthy hippies. Yeah, I went there to do a farmer's market once, and uh, the number of falafel shops per capita is amazing. It's incredible. If you're very wealthy and really care about the earth, it's perfect for you. But for me, who's pretty conscious about, you know, making a difference... But I'm not wealthy. Yeah. It's very frustrating. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, great. I'll I'll have this soap that will not only plant three trees, but it won't harm the drains. It'll even clear the drains of the fat bergs. How much is it? Oh, it's twelve ninety nine. Yeah. I'm not paying that on a bar of soap. <laughs> or if I do, I can't afford food. <laughs> I'm so sick of falafel. Yeah. Um, as, a, as another example for listeners not familiar with Stroud, there was an article in the Stroud Daily, uh, whatever, or weekly, whatever, rag, and it said, woman beats cancer by eating dandelions. And it was a genuine, this woman had cancer. It was yeah. definitely um, diagnosed, and because they fact-checked that. Good. And she'd definitely gone into, you know, it'd been cleared or she'd given, not an all clear, but as in it's healed up. And it explained why she'd gone around picking dandelions and what have you and juicing them and the recipes. She was sort of giving a thumbs up or whatever with a glass of dandelion juice uh, on the photo. And you go, oh, okay, that's it. And at the end of the article, it's she's also had chemotherapy. <laughs> Oh, for God's sake. If uh, if you're ever in need of a laugh, there's a, a Facebook page called Angry People in Local Newspapers, and it is a delight. Like, just every now and then on my feed, you'll just get this ridiculous story. So, yeah, ultimately, I, this is what I was confused about. Are they going to land on the moon? Around the moon. So it's worth pointing out that they're not actually going to land on the moon uh, as part of this journey so the first woman on the moon wouldn't have necessarily been the this uh, chap's girlfriend because they're apparently going around the moon which is a lot simpler in terms of engineering it is a lot simpler but it is still the first woman to go through translunar injection to go into lunar orbit and actually technically go to the moon because you're within the influence of the moon Gravitational influence. Yeah, gravitational right. influence. I was thinking you were like political influence. <laughs> um, yeah, it isn't boots on ground, but it is still first first woman to do that trip, that uh, exploration, 
And I do get the outrage of that. Because you have milestones, like you have the first woman in space. Valent... Yeah, I can't remember. I listened to her. Valentina Tereshkova. Tereshkova? Tereshkova. Tereshkova. Valentina Tereshkova. First woman in space. And then you had first woman on the International Space Station. You had Sally Ryder um, from America. First female astronaut. I think she was the first female astronaut. But either way, you have these names. And so the first woman to go to the moon, you want that to be kind of like a monumental part of history. And that's what NASA is doing with the Armitage mission. They say the first feet on the ground in the return mission will be a woman's to to equal the balance. So, um, but we do have to point out that technically the SpaceX mission won't land on the moon. Yes. Just as, exactly. uh, uh, and probably the reason is because getting uh, to the moon is quite expensive. Just going round it, actually landing on it and then that, that's probably relatively cheap is landing on it, getting back off safely and back to Earth. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's also quite expensive. Yeah, not cheap. Not cheap at all. Speaking of coming back from the moon, uh, we've spoken a lot about Chang'e 4 and U-2-2, which apparently is pronounced U-2-2. China has announced a as part of its Long March programme, which, which is a quite ominous name for its space programme, but... <laughs> Sounds like a month that will follow sort of a very dry January, incredibly dull February. Well, it is a long month, 31 days. Uh, but they've announced Chang'e 5, and it's scheduled to launch in October this year, and this will actually go to the moon, take a sample, and come back. And sample of lunar soil. What is it looking for anything in particular, or are they just sort of, yeah, let's have a look? It'll be a prospecting mission. They'll go try to find the best bits to set up a mine, to set up some kind of, like, resource extraction. That's what... Oh, that's sorry, resource extraction mine. Yeah. I thought you meant, like, landmine. <laughs> it's like, that's a bit harsh. We've gone to the moon, set up a landmine. Good luck, anyone else. And we then, we know the Americans are going to be landing here yeah. soon, so we'll, we better arm ourselves. Yeah, we just put one landmine on the moon. It won't do that much harm. Um, so, so this is Changi 5, yeah. and this is different to Prospector. Yes, it is. Okay, so how many uh, rockets do we have going to the moon that are just to nick soil and come back again? As in return missions? That's a good, good yeah. question. I think there's at least seven planned. So you've got a lot going to the South Pole, which is where they suspect there's a lot of water. And you've got at least two confirmed that are going to be sample return. One from Russia, one from China. Oh, sorry, another one from America. That's going to South Pole Aitken Basin. Uh, North Korea's thrown its hat into the ring. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's called Moon Mission. Conceptual mission by North Korea's Deep Space Exploration Program. You've you got to give it to them. They're ambitious. Yeah, I mean, good luck. Um, but I, I can't help but feel people are going to get a bit edgy with them launching rockets. They already are. Well, even more rockets. Like, Japan really doesn't like it. No. They keep getting shrapnel fired at them all the time. But yes, there's lots of missions planned for sample returns. You've got uh, another Chandrian mission. So this will be Chandrian 3 or 4 that they're planning on bringing stuff back for, and you've got the Russian missions, the ESA missions, there's quite a few going. The reason I ask is because I kind of uh, knew the answer was lots, as I went to a talk by yourself on how much is the moon worth, yes. and uh, lots of countries are now prospecting the moon Pretty for much. various minerals, and it's a new sort of frontier that's opening up, a new gold rush as it were. Yeah, it's a space race, but a commercial one. 
this uh, this time instead of look how good we are, look how amazing our rockets are, we can basically destroy you with our intercontinental ballistic missiles if we want to. Now it's, oh wow, there's a lot of really, really useful stuff on the moon that can make us very, very rich. So they've passed a load of laws that say finders keepers and yeah, there's a new gold rush going on pretty much. Yeah, find, it says finders keepers in sort of legal text, presumably. Yes, exactly, yeah. but... <laughs> The company that funds itself and goes to a celestial body, takes a resource, comes back, it's theirs to keep. It's not like, say, uh, you find gold in your back garden here in the UK, belongs to the Queen, belongs to the Lord of the Land due to, like, medieval laws. No, this is, you. if you manage to get to Psyche 16, it's yours. All of it. Yeah. We have to bring it back. Oh, yeah, you do have to bring it back. You can't just land on the moon and say it's mine. <laughs> I touched it first. Exactly. Uh, yeah, sorry, just on the uh, the laws. in Yeah, I think it's in the UK, if you find some coins, if they've been deliberately hidden, you, the government owns them, and if they've been accidentally dropped, then you own them. Oh. That's, that's kind of the law, so that's the metal detecting law. So a uh, oh. bit of honesty there from the metal detectors. <laughs> I think also it has, if it's over a certain amount of value, you have to declare it as well. Well, yeah, for tax reasons. Yeah, and historical. Yes. Because there, there was that bloke recently who found a Viking horde, kept it, and tried to sell it for three million or something, and got fined. Yeah, that's not on. No. <laughs> well, getting fined as a metal detector or just keeping? Keeping it. Like, don't sell it on the black market. They don't know what they're doing with it. Give it to someone who knows what they're doing with it. Uh, so, yeah, there's going to... Not only is China uh, thrown its hat into the ring with Chang'e 5, it's basically said, me too, and... You've got many, many more lunar prospectors, including Prospector, that's going to be launched uh, pretty soon. So this is a topic that is always, always going to keep coming up. So we'll keep our finger on the pulse with this one. Yes, I think this will fill many more podcasts to come about who's found what. Should we do a bit of foreign moon news? Yeah, what's going on in the world of foreign moons? Ganymede, the biggest moon of the solar system, the biggest moon of Jupiter... There's been several photos taken of it from the Galilean missions. In fact, some absolutely gorgeous ones, as well as the as well as the Voyager missions. They snapped some photos of Ganymede as well. But recently, the Juno mission that was launched a few years ago has been taking photos of Jupiter. There's been some absolutely incredible photos of the North and South Pole of Jupiter, as well as the big red spot. Uh, the galleries that exist on the NASA website are just gorgeous. But recently, it's actually taken some photos of Ganymede's North Pole, which has never been, never been seen before. We've only seen it from like face on on the side along the equator. We've never actually seen it at the poles in such high resolution or ever. Cool. Do they find anything at the North Pole? Penguins? <laughs> igloos? No, penguins are in the South Pole. Are they? Oh, wow. Polar bears are in the North what, Pole. You, so you've heard it here first. On Ganymede, the penguins are in the, <laughs> the South Pole. I'm trying to get some, uh, trying to get up the high-res images of Ganymede's North Pole. Not gaming. <laughs> <laughs> Those of you listening, Ganymede comes up on Andy's computer as gay meme. <laughs> It'll probably come up on your computer as well, to be fair. Well, it's not a massive photo, but it's still the first. And it does look like there is some interesting kind of patterns going on, like the there's clear craterage 
around it. So it could either be a huge crater at the North Pole or the way that the ice has been stretched along the equator because it's got a big icy surface. So it's quite interesting, like seeing clearly defined features at the North Pole because all planets have distinct features at their poles. Mars has ice. Uh, Saturn has a hexagon at its... Uh, <laughs> yeah, Saturn has a hexagon in its wow. uh, North Pole. Oh yeah, it does have a hexagon. And it's not like just a, oh, that could well be a hexagon. No, it is like, it's, it looks, it's yeah. symmetrical along each of the points. It's perfectly well-defined. It is definitely a hexagon. Wow. Yeah, it does look genuinely very much like a hexagon as someone who's never seen it before. Or it looks like someone has made a lot of effort to <laughs> Photoshop every picture of Saturn's image into uh, a hexagon. It's due to the velocity of the clouds and the storms beneath it. So you kind of have like these edges, sheer force of the storm making them into a straight edge until it's like, oh, we're going to veer off now. And then it goes, it veers off into another one and it does that six times. It just happens to be six because of the speed and the angle and many, many aspects of fluid dynamics that allow it to make the hexagon. If it was like lower velocity, it might have, I don't know, octagon or septagon, something like that. It's, it's uh, quite hypnotic, isn't mm -hmm. it? Yeah, no, that, that's uh, amazing. Never seen that before. These photos of Ganymede were taken from quite a distance. So as Juno gets closer, it will be able to take some higher resolution images and hopefully get some clearer images of these features and we'll try and reverse engineer what's going on. One of the things I quite like to do on the channel is highlight when a new moon has been discovered. But considering that since the channel has started, I've had like 20 videos and 33 moons have been discovered <laughs> you got since some, they started. You've got some catching up to do. Yeah, it's, it's quite hard. So this podcast allows me to like celebrate the smaller discoveries in terms of moons, such as uh, the asteroid moon of Eurobates. Okay. How would, you, how would you pronounce that? Uh, yes, Eurobates. Eurobates. Absolutely. A little moon has been discovered around it. Hang on a minute. Only planets have moons, Andy. Any idiot knows that. Well, there's no real definition for what a moon is. And really? Yeah. So is that map of Eastern Europe there a moon? Oh, well, okay. There's no, like, planets have clear definitions of the three rules of it's got to be spherical, it's got to clear its own orbit, it's got to orbit a star. In this case, a moon has no real lower limit. It has no, like, oh, it has to be of a certain size. So... It has to orbit something. It has to orbit something. Right. That Like, that's... It has to orbit something and it's clear that that thing is a big object in space. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, so that's pretty much what the definition of a moon is. Something that orbits a bigger thing that's not a star. Is there genuinely no definition of a moon? No, no, not really. Like you look on the IAU website, which has very clear definitions of what is a planet, what is a dwarf star, what is a TNO, trans-Neptunian object. But there's nothing really for what constitutes as a moon and what doesn't. Uh, so, genuinely. Yeah. So if I go to their website, they'll just have moon. I, I don't know. <laughs> have a guess. It's, Shrug emoji. Yeah. <laughs> We genuinely don't know what a moon is. Please help us. Yeah. We've seen one. I mean, we've seen a few, but... Oh, yeah. We've seen the moon. Yeah. Uh, but yes, Eurobates has a tiny little moon. Uh, the asteroid itself is only 72 kilometres in diameter, so this moon is pretty tiny. Uh, and it is a Trojan asteroid, which exists in the orbit of Jupiter. What's a Trojan asteroid? So, in celestial mechanics, when you have... I think I know the answer to this one. Is it Lagrange? Yes. Oh, God. Good luck. <laughs> 
you have basically these stable points in an orbit when you have two large bodies, one significantly larger than the other, and a smaller body. So body one, sun, body two, earth, body three, moon, you have like some stable points within the orbit. And those trail 60 degrees behind the second smallest object, which would be Earth, or 60 degrees ahead of. In the case of Jupiter, you've got Sun, Jupiter. Those are the two most massive bodies in the solar system by quite a significant portion. So 60 degrees behind Jupiter and 60 degrees in front of it, you've got Lagrangian points four and five, and that's where a bunch of asteroids sit because it's a nice, stable, safe spot that they're not going to fling off out of the orbit. So you get Trojan asteroids, which is their name, and some moons have been discovered around these Trojan asteroids. Uh, so who actually discovered it? Uh, NASA, technically, or the NASA team that was looking at the Hubble telescope images. So Hubble telescope snaps some images of Eurobates, and they discovered that it has a moon probably about 0.8 kilometres across. 800 metres? Yeah. Ah, oh, you could set up a running track literally around the moon. You could. That you would could. be epic. You wouldn't even have to turn a corner. Think of how many runners who lose a, a few seconds turning that corner in the average Olympic stadium. Yeah, exactly. Is this the Hubble telescope they wouldn't let me have a go on? Yeah. On my roof. You, yeah. you still need to apply. Oh, well, there's probably that, yeah. <laughs> the, the images will probably just be like a pixel that's definitely caught within the orbit, but the resolution will be pants, so there's no real photos of it that have been released yet. However, there are plans to get a closer look at this uh, due to the launch of another spacecraft called Lucy, which is due to be launched in 2021. It'll take six years to get to Jupiter's orbit, which is where these Trojan asteroids are, and it'll have a closer look. And it's going to have a look at uh, seven other asteroids as well, which is quite cool. That's pretty good, actually. I wouldn't want to do the maths on that if you just send it out at the wrong angle. Oh, astrodynamics. Yeah, six years later, you go, oh, missed. It's, <laughs> it's like bad enough doing playing darts and you kind of miss or you fluff them on. You, if you just have six years of knowing you're going to miss, yeah, that's, that's harsh. <laughs> I heard it described uh, pretty well as in you launch your satellite and it's on the trajectory you want it to be on. But when it gets pretty close to the target that you want it to be at, that's when you fire the retro engines, the brakes. So it like then manoeuvres into the position. So the way it was described as, imagine you need to drive away very quickly and the only car you have is one that hasn't been turned on in five years. When you turn that ignition, it had better turn on. And that's what it's like. These rockets have just been dormant for four to five years. So they need to work. Yeah, of course. The, yeah, because the rockets you send out don't have an MOT every year. <laughs> NASA refuses to send these rockets to go and, you know, get checked up at their local garage. They keep getting the letters from the DVLA, but it's just like, no, screw you. How are they going to do that for Elon Musk's Tesla as it's careening towards Mars? That's going to be need an MOT soon. I, I don't think he's going to space in the Tesla. Do you not know? What? Is he uh, actually... He's launched a Tesla into space. Did you not no, see this? No, I haven't. Like, but as it is, like, legitimately... Airproof, as in serviceable. This is his Tesla. Like he he put it on, on board the Falcon Heavy, yeah. and it put the Tesla into space. Like these are real images. It's got a camera on the front. He's got an astronaut dummy in the seat. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. But as in, you are not going to sit in that and just drive to the moon. No. I mean, let, let's be honest. If you steer left, that's kind of arbitrary. It might rotate the car a bit, but that's heading to Mars, though. <laughs> 
Is it going to hit it? I think it's... No, it can't hit it. I was going to say. It categorically cannot hit it. I think it must have... I don't know about this, but I think it must have some kind of uh, engine on it in case, I know, some space junk grazes it and then it ends up on a collision course with Mars. It's got to have something to actually fire it away from it so it'll just go off into the depths of space. Right, okay. And when you say it cannot hit it, is that legally or just morally? Both. Because this probably won't have been de decontaminated in the same way that a lot of the lunar landers and a lot of spaceships are decontaminated. If this lands on Mars, because it does have a thin atmosphere, because there is traces of water, this could actually infect the planet. Wow. It's cool, but also terrifying that it could infect it. It's not like the moon where there is zero, little to no chance of life existing there because there's no water, there's solar radiation bombardment. On Mars, it has an atmosphere, probably does have some water. The temperature is doable. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. If you had, like, some bacteria, like algae or something, that kept growing... Or you sneeze on one of the tiles. Yeah, that's it. it. It would gradually grow and grow, and you, so suddenly the red planet becomes green. Well, that's what terraforming Mars is. Yeah. Like making it habitable and that, but if you do infect it and the algae happens to just fill it full of carbon monoxide due to some weird mutation, that's not good. That's not what you want. You want nice breathable oxygen, not terrifying carbon monoxide. Oh, right. So you are, are we allowed to uh, terraform Mars? I think there's going to have to be some like ethics panel debates beforehand. Yeah, not us, literally us too. Yeah. Just <laughs> wing up some plankton. First uh, off, I don't know how to do it. Because, yeah, because yeah, you have your, your Greta Thunbergs on this planet saying, you know, don't burn down trees. In fact, plant more stuff. And then you've got people saying, look, don't send life to Mars. So we're trying to save life on this planet, but not on others. So I was wondering, can we, can we balance it out and kind of... This planet's gone on a, on a downward tra trajectory. Venus seems pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go in the other direction. Yeah. Well, uh, as always, tangents occur when talking about very foreign moon news. Yeah. But yeah, I, I maintain the point that that car will not drive on its own. No, it needs help. Very local moon news now, and pretty much the only town that gives us anything to talk about is Moon Township of Pennsylvania. What's been happening this week in the dynamic world of moon? Well, there has been a delightful Senior Connection Blueberry Pancake Breakfast to beat the winter blues. And looking at the photos, it looks like it was a rip-roaring success. It's just, this just feels like church bulletins. Because our next item from Moon Township is this delightful collage of terrible drawings by children. Instead of doing what British people do of getting a tea towel for a fiver when you ask the kids to draw themselves and they all end up just looking like deformed stick figures. In this case they've asked them to draw like hobbies and aliens and things that make them happy. And they have the nerve, the nerve to charge a hundred dollars per tile. Well, to be fair, it's got a 15-year warranty. This, I think it's a credit union. They're going to stick it on the side uh, of the building, this tile, and they'll look after it for 50 years. And when your child is 50 years older, they can look at this tile and say, you know what, I drew that um, rainbow. But chances are you'll be dead. Well, <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> and the kid won't really care because they're a kid. They might do. You never know. I think, you know, you're quite bitter about this. I can't help but feel that this is a children's competition you didn't win after you, you claimed to have won that moon naming competition <laughs> <laughs> that was not for kids, but a lot of kids won it. Yeah, but I still won. 
come at me, kids. My Greek knowledge is better than yours. Uh, yeah, I guess. But looking at some of this art, I wouldn't want it to be immortalised for 50 years because it's pretty terrible. I would get better at <laughs> That's art. From kids. <laughs> yeah, but I, I bet the next time we look at this article, there's going to be a picture of like a moon with Andy's name on it. Boycott but, lunatic. Yeah, as in sent in from you. Just so you can... <laughs> saying I win. I've beaten kids again. Okay, that that's not fair because there's some, uh, like what I said before isn't fair because there are some drawings on this that are good. Like that Tweety Pie is pretty convincing, even though this pic this yeah. image is kind of pixelated. I can tell that's Tweety Pie. The unicorn. Traced. The unicorn, the gremlin, the earth, the football, but others like the squiggle, the potential church burning. Abstract. <laughs> Look, it's what makes the kids happy. If they're happy with the church burning down, that's there. And they just got into Norwegian black metal at a yeah. really early age. I do like the picture of uh, Moon Township at night, which is on the bottom row. <laughs> um. That's very similar to those like art panels that were actually put on the moon. The, that little porcelain tile that had just a black square on it as abstract art. It's like, you could have drawn anything. Well, that, that's it, yeah. So if you didn't hear whichever episode that was when we talked about the uh, the art panels on the moon, There is there are some actual art pictures on the moon and we genuinely thought they were terrible apart from one i think yeah. uh, possibly two but that so, was the guy who actually made it yeah he put effort in all the others just didn't especially um, you andy warhol yeah. <laughs> glad you're dead so this is actually better than the art that's on the moon well yes. done kids even if andy doesn't like you i do i like well done i like five percent of you <laughs> all right it's time for one of my favorite features which is moon of the month or full moon of the month as we need to come up with a snappy one but i think moon of the month works and we're going to do a twofer because we didn't cover january okay i thought yeah there's is there two moons this month no, is no. one of those this isn't a blue moon ah. last month january was a wolf moon and for some reason this got ridiculous news coverage um why I don't know. Maybe it was a slow news month, but it clearly wasn't because you had... Trump impeachment, Brexit. Yeah. Um, oh, and Megxit. Megxit, well. yeah. You had all this stuff all over the papers. I was in the airport. You know, the massive tellies. Just happened to glance to my right and just this huge hashtag for Wolf Moon appeared. Like, what? And then you had Christina Aguilera just tweeting about it, saying things like, this is the first moon of the new year, the new decade, so it's a special opportunity to set your intentions wisely. Countdown for the first full moon, wolf moon, on Friday. And then you had other people, and they even, like, dragged out this poor astronomer. Not an astrologer, but an astronomer who probably had stuff to do. It's like, yeah, it's just, just a full moon. It's just given a name. Wolf moon. <laughs> Happens every January. It does. Why, why do you think it was called full moon? Well, a full moon, because it's a full moon. Uh, do you mean wolf moon? Wolf moon. Uh, because just name... The wolf does something in January that it genuinely doesn't do at another time of year. Well, according to Farmer's Almanac. 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 Thank you. Uh, it's traditionally thought that wolves howled a lot in January due to hunger because they're not able to find the animals because they hibernate underground. So not as much food, so they're in pain, so they howl more. That's one theory. And they're also territorial. So wolves are just like going into each other's territory because they're going to hunt outside their circle because food's scarce. They're going to be howling a lot. Another name for the January full moon is the hard time moon, which... 
I think is far more appropriate. Yes, January is a hard time. Especially because there's a lot of self-inflicted hard times. It's like, I'm not going to have any booze, I'm going to diet more, I'm going to get to bed at a sensible time, and I'm only going to watch high-end drama. None of this trash TV, I'm going to go full-on adult. Yeah, I think is uh, another example of the hemispherist attitude as well that we have, that it's hard times in January because it's cold. <laughs> southern Southern Hemisphere is like, yeah, this is great. Don't, don't worry, it's summer for us. Uh, but January has been and gone, and we have survived it. I did not do dry January, so I'm not as bitter as other people were. Right. This month is February, and on the 9th of February, here in the UK, it is going to be a full moon. So we have some delightful names for this, due to Celtic and medieval mythos? Tradition? Law. Yeah, let's go with law. There is the storm moon, the ice moon, and the snow moon all of which makes sense to me. Uh, the Native Americans have tree moon, long day moon, and hunger moon. The hunger moon and the tree moon make sense, but the long day moon, maybe it's because the days feel longer, because you're hungry. <laughs> Probably. I like the, the way the Native Americans get hungry a month after the wolves. So, <laughs> so it's implying the wolves sort of, uh, yeah, they lose out first, but the Native Americans in January are going, yeah, hey, oh, we're so full. Oh, couldn't eat another thing. What about you, wolves? <laughs> Maybe it's because the wolves gave away their position so the Native Americans came and ate them. Yeah, that'll be it. Uh, but the Canadian Inuits called the full moon for February the seal pup moon. How cute. Well, I think it was also because they might have been eating them. Really? I don't know. Yeah, there's no cruelty associated with seal pups. This is the thing. It's not like the fur industry where they were clubbing them just for their fur. This was for food and food is scarce up in the Yukon. So it's not like just going after baby seals. Yeah. They're going after anything. But February is a supermoon. What's a supermoon? A uh, supermoon is where the moon is actually physically closer to us because its orbit is elliptical. So you get a micromoon where it's at the furthest point of its orbit and then you get a supermoon where it's closest. This won't actually be the superest of the supermoons. Oh, wow. Uh, in April, I do believe it's going to be the closest it will be for a while. But this is still technically a super moon because it is like closest 10%. So with this being super moon, you can append that to all of these. So it's a super storm moon or a super long day moon, super tree moon or super seal pup moon. That's a superhero I want to see. <laughs> super seal pup. I thought you were going to say super tree because that's just Groot. <laughs> from Guardians of the Galaxy, or Treebeard. So what special powers would Super Seal Pup have? Uh, probably just a club. <laughs> Go, goes, and, <laughs> goes and shouts at the Canadian, Go on in. Let's have you. Oh, you don't like it when I'm armed. Ah, uh, his one-liner would be, Look who's blubbering now. So you want to know about Phobos? I want to know about the next moon in the solar system after Deimos and our moon. Yes, which is Phobos, which is the innermost of the two Martian moons. Brilliant. Yes, so I do want to know about Phobos. Okay. Uh, it was discovered pretty much at the same time as Deimos was by Asaph Hall in 1877. Uh, again, in Foggy Bottom, which is a hilarious name, which will never get old. Phobos is slowly losing altitude, and it's basically going to crash into 
Mars in many, 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 many millions of years, but it's still going to happen because its orbit is slowly decaying due to the fact that it actually orbits quicker than Mars's rotation. If you were standing on Mars and looking up, you'd see Phobos going above you twice in a day. Wow, that's a fast moon. It is. It takes seven hours, 40 minutes to complete an orbit. Oh, cool. So almost three times in an Earth day. Okay, so yeah, to do a smaller orbit, you've got to go faster. So yes, it is quite low. Yeah, uh, but because it's going faster than the orbital rotation of the parent planet, that means there's this tidal discrepancy. So you've got Mars constantly pulling back on it. And because it's constantly pulling back on it, it's slowing it down. And that drag that's pulling it back is actually causing the orbit to decay, which eventually will mean that it slams into Mars, which is actually a real issue because we might have populated Mars by the time it happens. So you've got to have this moon that's just going to either turn into a ring system, which will stay at a nice stable height, or it'll have enough velocity to continue decaying into the ring and then create this huge band of asteroids that's just going to fall down on Mars. And is this a moon that's going to break up before the sun explodes? Because I thought our one's going to disappear off gradually. If the moon left, our moon left Earth, yeah. it would cause um, problems on Earth. Like it, it would go off its axis and tides yeah. wouldn't work and stuff. However, by the time it gets that far away, the moon, the sun will have exploded. So it's not really worth worrying about. Yes, that's correct. Is uh, Phobos going into Mars worth worrying about? It is, because that's on a time scale of 30 to 50 million years, whereas the moon going away from us is on a time scale of billions of years. Okay, so we've got 30 to 50 million years to work out where to go from Mars. Uh, if we go there at all. Yeah, we might, well, we definitely will go to Mars. There's no questioning that. <laughs> we might skip it. We'll say, let's just be really bolshy and just go for intergalactic. Mars is all well and good, but have you thought about Pluto? Yeah, go big or go home. <laughs> or small in this case. Yeah. It's one of those things that you probably wouldn't interfere with either. It would just happen. Like, what, what are you going to do? Just put a rocket on it and push it further up. But no, that was my idea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I can spout some facts about Phobos, what it could be made of, name some of the craters. Uh, actually, I'm going to name one crater, which is called Stickney, which is the middle name or associated with the name of Asaph Hall's wife, Christine. I think it was like Christine Stickney Hall was her name. And she was a mathematician and fellow astronomer as well. Oh, cool. Which, which is quite a nice touch. But... What's mo most interesting about Phobos is the stuff that we don't really know. For example, it's covered in these grooves. Like if you look at, uh, let me get you up an image of Phobos. I like the way Phobos grooves is a, uh, a quick search on Google. <laughs> well, it's been the subject of a lot of debate as to where they come from. So you've got these. So it sounds like like one of the YouTube music channels I listen to <laughs> when I'm when I'm trying to do coding. So instead of like lo-fi study beats, you just have high-intensity Phobos grooves. Oh, I'm going to put Phobos grooves music, see what comes up. <laughs> oh, so just randomly on the uh, study beats as well. Uh, have you read the comments on them? No. If that girl doesn't get an A, then I'm kicking off. She's... <laughs> Uh, yeah, she has been at this for a while. Yeah, yeah. Someone threatened to beat up the teacher who's giving her so much homework. <laughs> I like this whole 
lore that's going to be built up around her. Uh, so these are the grooves that are on Phobos, and there's various different ideas as to where they come from. One is thought that it's stretch marks, like it's just being pulled apart, but they're so straight and parallel to one another, you would have thought they would have had like some cracks or some discrepancies, but no, they're like pretty clear. Others have thought they are ejecta from when an impact has happened, because Phobos is covered in lots of little craters, and these ejecta tend to be from, tend to follow the direction of the craters, because if you look on the moon, I think it's the Tycho crater, has these big long streaks that you can follow back to that crater, so it's obvious the ejectors come from there. However, these grooves actually go into the craters, even into some of the bigger ones. Yeah, so say someone's sort of driven a tractor yeah. along it. Well... Uh, <laughs> You're going to say this is a theory. Not a tractor. Right. <laughs> uh, okay. But tiny little boulders that are caught within the gravity of Phobos, so they're able to stay on it, but are kind of like tumbling across it. Oh, right. So they have so much momentum, they can keep going, but they're gravity, gravitationally sort of attracted, so they, they do stay on the planet. Yeah, and here is a good little image that kind of highlights the grooves that they could take, because they do actually tend to hop and skip over certain parts when there's like a little ramp for them to go off. That's epic. That's one that, of the leading theories. That You wouldn't want a house there. <laughs> Like, if you had a house that boulders that suddenly just roll past. Surely you just have a bungalow in the bit where they hop over. Yeah. It's like, we know this bit is safe, there's no grooves here. Uh, actually, that, that would be really weird to live on a sort of planet where just boulders wandered past. It's uh, it's very surreal. It's like kind of Terry Gillen, Monty Python animation of just like, oh, the boulders are back. Yeah. You know, I sit in my garden sometimes in the summer and see, you know, a, a, a swarm or a, a flock of birds going past. Presumably you sit in your garden on Phobos and go, oh, oh the boulder, there it goes. <laughs> It'll be back round in another eight hours. But this, uh, this theory has a few little issues that people are picking holes in, which is good, because you want to be able to explain absolutely everything. So if there are flaws in it, then there might be other explanations for this. Is one of them friction? Like boulders will run out of power. I, I think that it's probably me making it up that it will, they will keep going round. Is it more they, they'll go round a bit and then stop? Maybe I didn't explain this properly, that they're not still there. Right. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm kind of imagining... This like, was a one-off. Right. <laughs> right. That, that, that blames that one quite The out. Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter would have taken photos of them, and some other probes would have taken photos of boulders just happily bounding along Phobos after many, many years. Now, this is like a one-off event, probably due to ejecta that has got momentum and has basically gone around it because it does follow it quite nicely. Um, I'll put a link to the paper in the show notes. Yeah, the paper was originally published in 1970, and they've done little updates to it to explain these like little ramps which they describe as a ski jump. Uh, the boulders keep going but suddenly there's no ground under them and they end up doing this suborbital flight over the zone. So that's where you'd want to put your house, yeah. in, in the little ramp bit. But yeah, that's uh, the rolling boulder model, that's what it's called. Oh, that's good. It's unfortunately quite a mundane explanation for where these grooves come from, because there's a lot of alien theories around Phobos. Oh right, I thought that was not a mundane, I like the idea of rolling boulders. In terms of explanations, you've got 
rolling boulders, exceeding the roast limit, or aliens. Right. Yes. Which one is going to capture more imagination? When you, yeah, uh, when when you said explanation, I thought you implicitly meant scientific explanation. Uh, however, yes, if explanation is just anything you like. Uh, okay, aliens. So do they set the boulders off in some sort of cosmic temping bowling? Uh, no, we're not going to... No. <laughs> right. Uh, but there's a lot of alien theories around Phobos. For example, there's the Phobos monolith, which I did a video on and got a lot of hateful comments for, mostly because I started slagging off Alex Jones, rightfully so. Oh, he's a well-known, very well-respected um, conspiracy theorist. Yes, well-adjusted. Well yeah. And reasonable, delightful man. Yeah, I think he's uh, had many of his papers peer-reviewed. Yeah, by his peers. <laughs> by, by his, yeah, <laughs> by, by people who agree with him. So one of the alien theories around Phobos is the hollow Phobos hypothesis, mm -hmm. which uh, in the 1950s to 1960s, a Russian scientist called Shlavosky. That's his surname, so that, and I can pronounce that one, so that's what I'm going to call him. Shlavosky proposed that Phobos is hollow and is actually a thin metal sheet of artificial origin, therefore made by an intelligent race that could well be living inside Phobos. Now, the reasons why he put this forward, uh, he based this analysis on estimates of the upper Martian atmosphere, the density of it, and he said, this is too thin. It's not going to break and slow down the moon enough for what its speed currently is at. Because he said the weak breaking effect to be able to account for the secular acceleration, Phobos had to be a very light, hollow iron sphere, 16 kilometers across, but less than six centimeters thick. So he wrote to the Journal of Astronautics in 1960, and Fred Singer, the science advisor to Eisenhower, actually put a little thing together saying, if the satellite is indeed spiralling inwards, as deduced from the astronomical observation, then, then there is little alternative to the hypothesis that it is indeed hollow and therefore Martian-made. But if lies in the astronomical observations, there may well be an error, since they are based on several independent set of measurements taken decades apart, and that's exactly what happened. So he based his calculations on the altitude loss of five centimetres a year, when in fact, Phobos is losing 1.8 centimetres a year. He was looking at the wrong figure, based his calculations on the wrong value, came to a perfectly valid conclusion, but from a dodgy number. So Phobos isn't a big hollow sphere. That said, people love to bang on about this. Right, is that, um, yeah, they don't look at the counterexample or the, nope. the evidence? No. Nope. Now, mostly because in the late 80s, the Soviet Union launched two satellites to Phobos. Phobos 1, Phobos 2. Sorry, that, those are the names of the satellites? Yeah. Right, okay, it's not... Oh, hang on, there's two Phobos's <laughs> kicking around. Uh, no, these were simple crafts that were due to take images and actually fire down a little hopper lander. So it would like... And these hopper landers would have some little instruments on. Now, the problem is both failed. Phobos 1 kind of fried it out. It was due to some faulty code, didn't fire its retrograde motors in time, and just kind of sailed off into space. Whereas Phobos 2, don't know what happened to it. Communication was lost immediately, but it did manage to beam back about 40-odd photos. Now, these photos have glitches in that happen to look like laser beams and happen to look like elongated cigar-shaped 
UFOs. Now, I've got the data here that you can get from the NASA website. I'll put a link to it in the show notes so you can look at the archival footage. The photos are not bad, but they're glitchy. And this is due to the fact that, you know, it's like downloading a torrent. It'll be like 98% and you can, oh, that's, that's mostly there, but there's still the odd line that's out. That's exactly what's ha happened here during the downlink. So some of them have come out quite clear as this one has a little glitch on it that you might think, oh, oh, that's something coming from Phobos. What, <laughs> yeah. What, so what they've done is gone, oh, Phobos is firing at us. Yes, just as someone who's done sort of image processing uh, for their dissertation. Uh, I would like to point out that having a glitch, either horizontally or vertically, which all these uh, glitches are, they're either horizontal or vertical in the picture. Uh, that would be common because you're, you're missing a certain um, a scan or yes. set of pixels. Whereas if you're in space and it's genu genuinely lasers firing at you, one, they would probably hit you if they're that advanced. Two, I don't think they'd fire lasers because lasers are very, uh, you need a lot of energy to get anything done, whereas you just fire bullets. Yeah. And the other thing is the chances of them being absolutely 90 degrees to your position when they're firing at you. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, that, that's like taking a picture of someone firing a bullet at you and it's going 90 degrees relative to you. So they, they've just pointed their arm out to the right and shot. You know, yeah. it's just this weird uh, thing. And, and some of the, the, the supposed lasers sort of go both sides. So it's like they've got two guns shot both left and right, stuck their arms out and just shot that way. So yeah, it's, it's very glitchy. It is. Uh, but they've put two and two together and got seven. This is, And this is known as the Phobos incident. And if you Google it, one image will come up of like this shadow on Mars with a nice yellow circle around it to point out, oh, oh, this unidentified shadow on the Martian surface, the final three frames before contact from Phobos 2 was mysteriously lost. First off, the photo's not from there because we have the photos taken from the NASA downlink and this photo is not part of them. It is a photo from earlier missions and that is indeed a shadow but it's of Phobos because the Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter has taken exactly the same thing and here it is that is the surface of Mars with the shadow of Phobos over it. Okay so <laughs> and lo and behold it's a big long elongated shadow of an elongated moon. Yeah <laughs> Who'd have thought that uh, a shadow cast the same shape? So if you are a conspiracy theorist, perhaps go to a, uh, a shadow puppet show. <laughs> and then <laughs> and they go, wow, that's a genuine rabbit. No, seriously, it's just the, the guy's fingers. You can see it. There's a rabbit. And then you get a YouTube channel of conspiracy theories. Rabbits aren't real. So that's the Phobos incident. That I, I did start to read lots of articles, but then I just started to get a little bit frustrated at them cherry-picking the evidence that they wanted to cherry-pick and only including images that supported their hypothesis, deliberately ignoring others. And also, it feels like it's intentionally misusing images. Like, when I was Googling here, the Phobos incident, this came up here for the Phobos monolith. That's not the Phobos monolith. That's the Mars monolith. But it's been mislabeled time and time and time again as the Phobos monolith, even though it's not. That's just something that's on Mars. This here is the Phobos monolith. It's just a little boulder that sticks up and looks way bigger than it is due to the massive shadow that's coming off it. Of course, the Mars monolith was built by aliens. Oh yeah, there's no shadow yeah, of a doubt there. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> just not Phobos. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to know about Phobos? Uh, no, that's got far more interest going on than our moon. Uh, yeah, well, 
It depends what you... Defining in, um, yeah, interest. So we've done the moon, Deimos and Phobos. Which moon would you like to cover next? Uh, the next moon out. So the next moon out that belongs to a planet, shall we say. Oh, you and your flipping Lagrangian points again. An asteroid And Oh, because there's this flipping moon. Well, we yeah, we'll go to proper moons. Okay. Not the IAUs, we don't know what a moon is moon. It's got to hang around. A, I'm not being racist, but some of their moons are just, <laughs> just not moons. Uh, they should just go back to where they came from. Whatever wow. whatever Lagrangian point they, <laughs> they don't belong in. From Lagrangian point four, we say a moon is a moon. <laughs> No faffing about with these irregular moods. Yeah. Is it spherical? Fine, it's a moon. <laughs> uh, so a moon that goes around a planet. So the next one out is Jupiter. Yep. And so what's the innermost moon of Jupiter? Oh, hang on. With Mars, we did outermost going into innermost. I'll do innermost because it's easier to remember. Okay, well, we'll immediately ignore the trend we started with yeah. and we'll go for the innermost moon of Jupiter, which is one we've actually spoken about before, and it's Metis. Metis, yes, that was the meeting planet. It was. Oh, they, there you go. What do you want to call Phobos then? Uh, the rolling boulder conspiracy planet. Okay. Uh, moon, sorry. <laughs> rolling boulder conspiracy moon. Okay, that one rolls off the tongue quite nicely. Yep. So do you want to talk about Metis next time? Uh, yeah, if that's the next one in the line. So Metis it is. Excellent. So tune in next time and we'll be talking about Metis. Uh, if not, Metis next time. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Honest Andy's Discount Moon Show! Yusaka Mei... Yusaku Meizawa?